and welcome to the We Talk Health podcast, the official podcast of West Tennessee Healthcare. I'm your host, Kara Mobley, and on today's episode, here with me, I have Dr. Archie Wright. He is a medical oncologist with the Kirkland Cancer Center, and today we are talking about metastatic breast cancer. Welcome to the show, Dr. Wright. Hi, thanks for having me. Great. So um, we're filming this podcast in October, which is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so uh, we really wanted to kind of get more information, get the word out more on what exactly is metastatic breast cancer. So kind of, I guess, first of all, tell me a little bit about what actually, what does metastatic breast cancer mean? Yeah, so I think in the simplest terms, uh, metastatic breast cancer would be considered breast cancer that has traveled from the original site of origin, you know, the breast, uh, to another site in the body. And that could be to regional lymph nodes under the arm, which most people are familiar with, or it could be what we call distant metastasis, where it leaves the regional area, breast, lymph nodes, and can go to other sites like bone, lung, and liver. Um, so when we're talking about metastatic breast cancer, many people may be confused. Is it the same as stage four breast cancer? Well, not always. Uh, most of the time when we talk about metastatic breast cancer, we are referring to stage four disease. But for instance, if someone is diagnosed with breast cancer and they look at their PATH report, they'll see uh, the lymph node evaluation. And a lot of times it will say, you know, metastatic carcinoma to the axillary lymph nodes. So technically, if the cancer leaves the breast proper at all and goes anywhere else, including the lymph nodes, it's, you know, technically metastatic, but that would be considered regional metastatic disease and it wouldn't be stage four. There are some uh, patients that we have that have breast cancer with nodal involvement um, under the arm and it's still considered stage one, believe it or not. So stage four really is when it leaves the breast in the regional area and goes to a distant site in the body, uh, like I mentioned before, bone, lung, liver, Etc. Right now, um, so is there a time frame? I know that's that's a big thing of, of when you catch you know when you catch it. Is there a time frame after diagnosis and treatment that someone might be worried about as far as when the cancer is most likely to recur? Yeah, in general, I mean these cancers can be tricky. They can come back you know at any time, but if you look statistically, uh, the vast majority of recurrences are going to happen uh, in the first two to three years, and then you'll have another group of patients that will you know recur up to about five years. You know, the estrogen-positive subset of patients, uh, which we can talk about more in a minute, uh, those patients, you know, have a kind of a more well-behaved, slower-growing breast cancer. But the flip side is those patients will actually have recurrences 10, 15, 20 years later in some cases. Now, that is a small percentage of patients, but but it does happen. I've had a few, you know, this year with that exact scenario. Now, if someone has had breast cancer, what are the ways that they might find out if it's become metastatic? Yeah, and, and that's the scary thing is because, you know, people can have metastatic breast cancer uh, and not know it. They can be completely asymptomatic, which is is often the case. And then usually by the time uh, it does cause symptoms, then it's already moved to other areas. And for instance, you could have cancer that has gone to the bone uh, and not know it's there until it causes bone pain. If it goes to the lungs, for instance, people can develop a dry cough or shortness of breath that, you know, that doesn't go away and that, that they don't have an explanation for. Uh, abdominal swelling, weight loss. There's different things that, that you know, it, usually when that happens, though, there's a, a fair amount of disease that is present uh, and, and it's, you know, kind of more advanced. So when it's, you know, microscopically metastatic, meaning, you know, you'd have to have a microscope to find the cells, um, that's not going to cause symptoms. So that's what makes it difficult. Right. So those were some of the signs and symptoms. But I mean, again, yeah, you, like you said, there there may not be any. Um, now, what would be the most common types of breast cancer that can metastasize? Well, first of all, you know, they all can. Um, and I would say that 
the ones that are most likely to are the ones that are, you know, what we consider biologically the most aggressive. So triple negative breast cancer, uh, far and away the uh, most difficult uh, breast cancer that we have to deal with. It's uh, very aggressive, grows fast, likes to metastasize uh, more quickly than the other types. So that one is one you would worry about uh, more so than others. Uh, second would be HER2 positive breast cancer. Now that breast cancer still has a favorable prognosis because the treatment options are so good, but it's still a biologically kind of a, again aggressive, fast grower compared to the you know the last subtype, which the, is the estrogen receptor positive subtype. And those are the ones that I mentioned earlier that you know, are lower grade in general, um, tend to behave uh, less aggressively, you know, uh, grow slower. And those are the ones that, that typically have those late recurrences. So as far as which, you know, which ones can metastasize, they all can, um, but probably in, you know, in that order. Now I know, so if anybody has listened to the radio or watched TV, there's there's a lot of commercials out there for HR plus HER2 negative breast cancer medicines. What exactly do they mean by those? There's probably three uh, major things that we look at on the surface of breast cancer cells. And it's important that we look at these because these, whether they're present or not, help determine uh, the behavior of the cancer. So there are two female hormone receptors, estrogen and progesterone. Uh, those are present on about 70% of, of all breast cancers out there. And then there's the HER2 new receptor, which is present on about 15 to 20% of breast cancers. So most of the commercials that you see out there, when they mention ER positive, HER2 negative breast cancer, these are those breast cancers that are expressing female hormone receptors, uh, specifically estrogen, on the cell surface and Likewise, those same cancers are not expressing HER2 new. So there's a category of drugs out there that are paired with anti-estrogen therapies that are specifically for that subtype of breast cancer. You'll see commercials for Ibrantz, Kiskali, Virginio, and all of those are, are act in a similar way to augment our standard anti-estrogen therapies. Uh, and because they're new, newer, and because these drugs are newer and compared to anti-estrogen therapy alone, uh, they're marketed heavily and are very effective and have uh, extended breast cancer survival. So you're going to see a lot of publicity with those, those medications. Thanks. Yes. So, and, and when would these drugs be used? Or, or I guess who would these drugs be best used for? Well, for the most part, uh, they are for stage four breast cancer patients. Uh, these are patients that have had breast, history of breast cancer and had a recurrence. Now, there are a subset of patients that you can use that are not metastatic. Uh, and again, this is getting a little technical, but, but um, patients that uh, have four or more nodes, uh, have large breast cancers or high-grade breast cancers, there's a subset of those patients where uh, one of these particular medications can be used following their primary therapy and has been shown to decrease the risk of recurrence. And so, you know, if, if someone is a breast cancer patient, they are maybe interested in clinical trials. What would you say are clinical trials worth pursuing for metastatic breast cancer? Well, the short answer is yes, always. Um, we frequently will send people out, whether it's for second opinion or if we've kind of exhausted all of our standard of care options, we will send patients to whether it be Vanderbilt or Sarah Cannon Research Institute, both in Nashville. Those are our, our common areas that we refer. We have some patients that do want to go uh, you know, out of state to places like MD Anderson in Houston, Texas. We encourage it. Patients uh, 
when they get through the standard options, know that the options are becoming a little more limited. And so you can access, you know, newer medications or clinical trials who may have, you know, a good track record so far, but their benefit may not be completely defined. And these trials are being used to kind of define that so these medicines can get approved. If you think about all of the good medicines we have out there currently, that's where they started. I mean, all these medicines came out of clinical trials. And so it's very important for patients um, to be placed on trials, and, and we encourage that uh, if the patient's willing to, to travel. And I know right off the top when we were talking about what metastatic breast cancer is, you mentioned the different ways that it spreads, the different places that it spreads to, either the bones or lungs, liver, or other organs. Do you have, uh, or can you give me an idea of what the possible overall survival rate would be uh, if it's spread to the bones or maybe other organs? Well, it's going to vary patient to patient, of course. Um, but I would say in general, uh, patients that have bone-only metastasis do tend to do better statistically. People can live a long time with, with bone mets. I mean, yes, they can cause the morbidity of you know bone pain and whatnot, but as far as affecting their immediate survival, uh, it tends to not do that as much. Next in line would be lung metastasis, uh, followed by liver and brain. Typically, when you get liver and brain metastasis, the, the prognosis does shorten somewhat, although there are very effective treatments, you know, in both of those. Um, but it becomes a little more difficult to treat when you have a heavy burden of disease in the brain or, or the liver. Right. And I know with the several different types of breast cancer, you know, as you said earlier, everyone responds to tre- treatment differently. But do you have, is there maybe a general life expectancy once someone's been diagnosed and is maybe receiving the treatment? based on, you know, when they caught it? Sure. And again, the statistics have to be, you know, taken with a grain of salt somewhat because it's going to include, you know, triple negative patients, HER2 positive patients, estrogen positive patients, which all, their prognosis varies a good bit. But if you look at all comers when it comes to breast cancer, in general, stage one and two disease, those patients have a 95% overall survival rate at five years. Then you look at the stage three patients, it drops down to about 70 to 75% at five years. If you have a patient that un- unfortunately has recurred and has stage four disease, uh, in general, they have a 30% survival rate at five years. And would you say, is surgery ever an option? I'm assuming you mean the, in the metastatic patient? Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, we don't do it a lot, but there are patients that have, for instance, chest wall recurrences where the cancer just comes back on the chest wall. If that happens and you scan the patient and don't see disease elsewhere, then you can certainly resect, you know, that chest wall recurrence and then maybe follow that with the radiation therapy, sometimes chemotherapy. Other instances or examples would be someone who has a history of breast cancer and maybe they're incidentally found to have a lung nodule on a scan. You biopsy that nodule and it shows recurrent metastatic breast cancer, and you may end up doing a PET scan or whatever it may be, and you do not see disease anywhere else. Some of those patients, you can surgically resect the the solitary metastasis. And there are other techniques, too, like focused radiation therapy and whatnot that we use. But, you know, whether whether the disease is is in the lung or the liver, sometimes those lesions can be resected. And, And in some cases, you know, not commonly, but in some cases, the disease doesn't show up again. And I know you briefly mentioned uh, just then radiation. What role would radiation play in metastatic breast cancer? It is usually palliative. Most of the time with metastatic breast cancer, if radiation is used, it is in the setting of maybe a painful bone metastasis or something like that. Or maybe they have a lesion in, you know, near their airway that's impinging on their airway. And that's a one, you know, effective way to kind of quickly treat it. If you have a solitary, smaller lesion, 
our radiation oncologists have a, a focused technique called SBRT, stereotactic body radiotherapy, where they do very focused, almost kind of pinpoint type radiation techniques, and literally they can do it in three days. And sometimes if you have a single lesion and they're able to treat that, you can save them the morbidity of a, a major surgery and the recovery you know, thereafter, and sometimes the patients will remain d- disease-free for many more years or, or occasionally cured. Okay, now this is a question I have I, as, as someone who's not very familiar with metastatic breast cancer, and I know I've, I've talked to people in mammography, radiation. Men can also get breast cancer. Can men also get metastatic breast cancer? Absolutely. Uh, I have several male breast cancer patients in my practice, and some of them are metastatic. It doesn't discriminate, the breast cancer, so it, it can travel either way. Uh, and, you, and basically, the, the treatments are the same, whether it be surgery, radiation, chemotherapy, anti-estrogen therapy, which sounds unusual for a male patient, but if you have a hormone or you know estrogen, repo- estrogen receptor positive uh, breast cancer, then one of the treatments that the, that, that male patient will get will be an anti-estrogen therapy. And we definitely want to make sure that, um, I, I just spoke earlier with some with a radiologist that if a male has any kind of lump or anything around that area that he definitely needs to get that checked out yeah absolutely you know people think that that males can't get breast cancer but actually forget yeah but actually one percent of breast cancers out there are in males so it, it, it does happen and we see we see several here at this center Okay, and so as far as in West Tennessee, we have the Kirkland Cancer Center here in Jackson. Do you have any last thoughts on what patients or families facing metastatic breast cancer should know? Well, you know, I would say, you know, first of all, you know, have hope. Just because someone gets a diagnosis of metastatic breast cancer does not mean that, you know, it's uh, immediately terminal. There are people that live very long lives with metastatic breast cancer. There's lots of effective therapy out there with you know, plenty of clinical trials, new agents that are approved every year. Survival continues to improve every couple of years. The survival rates are going up, and that's because of the, the effective therapy that we have. So, yes, it's uh, scary. It can be devastating to patients, but just know that there are good effective therapies out there, and you should seek them out. Right, that, and that's encouraging to hear. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Wright, for coming on and talking about this very important topic, and, and especially, like you said, we want to get this information out there so that people can get checked earlier or seek help and treatment sooner and then the sooner the better. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to We Talk Health. This podcast is not intended to replace any medical advice. Nothing said in this podcast is intended to supersede or supplement the direction of your medical caretakers. If you have any questions or would like to request a topic, you can reach out to us at wetalkhealthpodcast at gmail.com.